Welcome to Podula Rasa. I'm David Blank. And I'm Jim Esch. This is a podcast about finding something in nothing. Hey everybody, this is Jim. And Dave. And we are back with a new season of Podula Rasa. Season, mm-hmm. season five, right? That's right. Yeah, so I wanted to start this season by talking about what happened to season four? This is going to be a little bit of a post-mortem because we didn't we didn't get much happening in 2022 with Padula Rasa. We were just very busy, I think. I mean, I know I, I certainly was. I, as many of you know, I teach online and I did more classes last year than I've ever done. And it uh, it culminated in an exceedingly busy fall. But I think, you know, with all the other things that were going on in my personal life with moving and uh, buying a house and everything. I, um, it, it got away from me for sure. I mean, I barely picked up a guitar last year. Um, so it was, it was hard to, hard to get a lot of things done and stay employed and everything. So that, that was for me anyway. Yeah. And it's more or less the same story for me, although I didn't move anywhere. We uh, it was very busy work year. And then, adding some side hustle work, did a lot of freelance writing, especially in the summer. And um, it was just really squeezing out my creative life. Um, I did keep my meditation practice going all year, but it was really hard to do any podcast. Yeah, it happens. Life happens. And we, I think one of our ground rules for this podcast was always, we will do it when we can do it. It's not, it's not a job. Like this is sort of a hobby and it's something we really like to do when we have the time to do it. So there was no pressure. I know you didn't put any pressure on me, but now we're trying to reboot it and and get back on to creating something from nothing. So for for the listeners, we should at least mention that we're going to try to do 12 episodes this year. So that's our, that's our goal. And then one other thing I wanted to mention is that one of the times that I did pick up a guitar, I was with you in Pennsylvania. So yeah, we to- so we didn't need the podcast. We actually got together. Dave came down right. to Pennsylvania and visited, and we went down to the studio, and we played with my wife, Stacy, and we, we just had a lot of fun jamming and walking around the town and had a really nice lunch. I, I was That was a big and, highlight of the year. Really and thank was. you for that lunch, by the way. It was awesome to see you after so many years. and It was great to see you and your guitar, which used to be the Tom Williams uh, <laughs> Strat. You know, it was good to see that again, and... Um, right. Yeah, uh, one small update. I know this wasn't on our outline, but we we tend to take tangents. Yep. I had told you remember, a lot of this started with the whole Zeus and the Druids thing, where we discovered that video that was lurking on YouTube of the variety show, our one right. gig that we right. did. I went back for some reason to look at that again, and it was gone. And I thought, well, that's that's what happens. Things just vanish, you know, like anything can happen, like Tom Williams would say. <laughs> and there it was there, and now it's not there anymore. Well, lo and behold, about a month ago. Anything happened. <laughs> and it was back. It was back. And I swear the video quality looked a little sharper, but maybe that's just my perception. No, but it did. It, it, just it looked, did look better. So it's been remastered or something. Incredible. But anyway, it was it was a really it was sort of fun to see that again. Anyway, onward. Like so, we we want to sort of continue with the format that we started in season four, where we're talking a little bit about what we've been reading and listening to, and then the different topics that come up. 
related to that. So, Dave, what have you been reading lately or or listening to uh, in well, terms of podcasts and whatnot? Sure, sure. Um, I have been trying to read two things, uh, and I, I try. I say trying loosely, but uh, one of, one of the things that I've been uh, trying to read is Astrophysics for People in a Hurry uh, by Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's a great book, and I've read sections of it here and there, and it, it's probably a much easier read than I'm making it into, but um, I'm actually thinking about it, and I can't seem to <laughs> get through the whole thing in one sitting. But um, I, I like it, and it sits on my nightstand, and um, if, I, if we ever have an intruder, I'll have something to throw at them. But uh, so that's one thing that I've been uh, continually trying to get through, which is a gift from my son, actually, maybe five, four or five years ago. Um, and then um, I've also been um, trying to read some Aldous Huxley. And uh, it was a book that you had uh, suggested that I check out during one of our conversations. Uh, that's the perennial philosophy. And I've been trying to listen to it. I would imagine reading it is easier because you can uh, maybe focus on the words better. But I, I know that I've, I'm up to five times trying to get through that book. And I've made it to chapter two. And I keep re-listening from the beginning because it's such a dense work. And there's so much to take away from it. And I, it, maybe that's how you're supposed to focus on it for a lesser human being like myself, as opposed to the great Aldous Huxley. But um, so, so thank you for that recommendation. I continue to struggle. I will say that the one thing that that book is terrible for is listening to it on an elliptical machine. Doesn't work. No. Yeah. So, like, we're going to do a little deep dive into this book because um, I, I finally managed to finish it. It took me a while. If you don't know Aldous Huxley, he his most famous book was Brave New World. British author, wrote novels, nonfiction, all kinds of stuff. But this book was uh, came out in 1945, and it was his attempt to, uh, I guess, digest all the major world religions and especially the mystical traditions in those religions and synthesize them into what's called a perennial philosophy. So I found it really a fascinating read, but it was dense and it often was dry in spots. And it's not just him writing about it, although he just does a great job digesting all this information. I don't know how he did it. Like, I guess you just have to be a genius or just read all the time. Um, but really, I really think, massive undertaking. Yeah, well, also his, his knowledge of the subject was dramatically huge and examples that he'd pull out were just like so disparate but correct that you had to you had to wrap your mind around it he gives you the impression that he just knows everything um and but it's also it's not just him writing about it it's it's also an anthology of of little quotes and excerpts from these this mystical tradition and all these different religions so you're getting like little bite-sized chunks of all these great mystics and whatnot so uh, that's that's interesting too and then that would lead me down these different rabbit holes of like i'd read about meister eckhart or you know some um, one of the buddhist philosophers or somebody and then i'd have to jump over and research them a little bit to learn more about them 
So that's what partly what slowed me down. But it was also like, it's the kind of book that you can't read. You don't breeze through it. No, it's not a hard read. (laughs) No. No. And, but it's it's a kind of book you dwell with. So the little side story to this, this book was on the shelf for about 30 years. And I remember where I bought it. It was this one of these book warehouses that you see in the shopping centers with the like remaindered books and stuff that just didn't sell. So I got it on a cheap a little paperback. Didn't know what it was about, but I, I I had read some Aldous Huxley and thought, okay, I'll grab that. And it was untouched for about 30 years. And I, as I was down, I've been trying to downsize book and record collections and whatnot so i take the book off and i was thinking like this is one i'm going to get rid of because it's probably not that interesting and i didn't even know what it was about but i thought well before i you know, put it in the bag to get rid of let me just read the first chapter and that that hooked me and i was i was seeing all these sort of connections to some things that we've talked about in the podcast the whole something from nothing notion. And we, you know, we get into some of that stuff with mindfulness and meditation and whatnot. So he was touching on some of those themes. I got hooked on it, but then it just took me a really long time to read it through. And then when I was finishing the book, this is a little trade paperback. I'm getting I'm about three quarters of the way through, maybe even a little farther, 80%. And I had this deja vu. I was, I'm reading the book. And I'm flipping the pages and I'm like, wait, I just read this. This is like, <laughs> did I just have go through some like, like memory warp thing or something? And I started looking at the page numbers and I'm like, wait, something's really out of whack. It's repeating this chapter from like 20 pages ago. So it was something about like 32 pages had been misprinted where they, they just repeated the same pages, and then those other pages were missing. Way too late to return. I'm not going to finish this. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I found the copy online, and I managed to finish it electronically. And then, but then this was a book that was sort of like had this whole story, like. Oh, this book was lurking for 30 years. I discovered it and I was certain I'm, I want to reread this. This is a keeper. I'm not going to get rid of this. But now, since a book is misprinted, I thought there's no way I want to keep it. So I just gave it away. I dropped it off the little library. Just pass it on. I don't have to keep it. Or it could be recycled. It's leading me to read more Aldous Huxley. So I'm, I'm checking out more of his work now. And that's what I like about my reading life is one thing leads to another and you just do these mm-hmm. chains. You can see that that thread in your in your uh your postmortem for what you for what you read last year, the the many books that you read. You can, you can sort of see that thread as you read through your reviews. Yeah. So I put an article on medium.com about I do these annual recaps of what I read. And if you look at the later books, a lot of them are about religion and related philosophies and that's that's all stemming from aldous huxley right but i do plan to reread it now that i have it on the ebook i'll just Mm -hmm. sort of it's the kind of book you can just dip into and get whatever you can out of it but it's to me it's like one of the best books about religion i ever read but it's not a book that's really 
written from a mystic's point of view. He's sort of like looking at it somewhat objectively. Right. And, and just sort of presenting this information for you to think about. Yeah. And then after he wrote this book, he got into taking mescaline and LSD and he wrote books about that too. So he was, he was clearly interested in sort of these otherworldly uh, aspects of human experience. It's almost as if he wanted to step outside the human experience to understand it from the 30,000 foot view. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's our book talk. Um, anything you've been listening to lately? Well, according to Spotify wrapped, I've been in the top 1% of people who listened to Steely Dan last year. <laughs> um, with the, the most listened to track, any major dude will tell you, which makes me think that I'm either forgetting that I've listened to so much or um, that I'm not actually listening to that much at all. And Steely Dan has a very low listenership because I don't <laughs> think I listened to it that much, but I guess I did. Um, you know, the usual Elvis Costello, the replacements, you know, the things that'll never go away that are just good listens. Um, oh, cool. I didn't know you were a replacements fan. Oh, big, big. Yeah. Love the replacements. Although, interestingly, I didn't listen to Tim until last year. I was stuck on Let It Be, I, the, my favorite album, almost my all-time favorite album. Um, but yeah, and so now I love Tim. So I've been listening to more of that. And then I've also been re-listening to my half Zaftig collection on CD, which uh, if anybody has uh, Spotify, you should check them out. The great band out of Seattle that's been gone for at least a decade. Um, very heavy, but melodic and uh, rhythmical and unbelievable. And I've actually communicated with one or two of them over email over the years. But um, it, it's a great, great, great band that was influenced by Zappa and uh, Mike Keneally and just excellent musicians. There, two of them are still in music, and one I think works in computers somewhere in California. But so that's another one. If I could give them a plug. That's a that's a great band that never never made it as far as I know, but but they did put out some CDs. Yeah, Sean Farley, the the mastermind of that band, was big Zappa fan. So and I, so that's why I like that. So that's music. What have you been listening to lately? One thing I did was I listened to a Beach Boys box set, which I didn't don't plan on buying physical media. And it's called Sail on Sailor, which was a song that we almost covered when you came to visit us, remember? Great song. Yeah, so it covers the early 70s Beach Boys period where they put out a couple albums, Carl and the Passion, So Tough, and Holland, which are two very underrated Beach Boys albums. I really like that early 70s Beach Boys sound. And then some live stuff that they did. And uh, so it gives you like uh, remix, remastered, and then lots of bonus tracks. So it's about five CDs worth of material. So we, we listened to that streaming and it was enjoyable. And then um, I'm back on a Mahler kick. So like in the <laughs> classical world, <laughs> so I've been watching this guy on YouTube. His name is David Hurwitz. And classicaltoday.com is, I think, his website. And he does all these classical music reviews. And he does sort of like shootouts or comparisons 
what's the best Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? And then he has this massive CD collection. So he just sort of takes you through like a 20 minute roundup of like comparing these things. And he'll talk about it. He's very opinionated, but he shares his, his honest opinions about what he likes. Yeah. And so I was watching some of his Mahler videos and, um, that led me back to Tidal, and I was because Tidal's great. As Spotify is for for classical music. You can listen to all these different uh, conductors doing the same piece. Yeah, it's like lots of Mahler symphonies and comparing conductors. This one in particular, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Chiley, C H I L L Y, with the Royal Concert de Gubau Symphony somewhere in Europe. I think maybe Amsterdam. Like his box set of Mahler symphonies is like really well recorded and there's some stunning performances on there. I haven't been through all the symphonies, but there uh, there's some really good ones in there. How long ago was it recorded? It's relatively recent. I think it okay. maybe spans some time, but probably from the 90s up through the to today, like the 2000s. Right. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but it's it's a it's not that old. And then I have on CD my Leonard Bernstein New York Philharmonic Mahler set, which was okay. more from like the sixties, seventies. What um, what's what got you listening to Mahler in the first place when you first? How'd you discover it? I don't remember. I think I was just curious, and I probably started when I was back when I was on Spotify. I probably was just sampling some of his stuff, and I had a couple of his records here at home, and. I just thought I wanted to give him more of a chance. And uh and then something clicked. I, I can't explain it. And I was I just like that's so lush and brooding and and so much going on, like the brass and the strings and these long, long symphonies, like they just go on forever. But there's just something like really um expressive about his work that I that touches me i don't i can't explain it i've, I've been that way about uh, vladimir horowitz throughout my life and i and it's interesting and the reason i asked you about the age of the recording was because there was some piano concerto that i really liked i don't remember what it was off the top of my head but i remember years ago i found it on a cd that it was uh, and it had been done by horowitz in 1945 and the recording was terrible but the music that came through that hissing, crackling recording was like it was unparalleled to any other recording that I've heard. And um, I wish I could remember which one it was, but it was it was just it, it just struck me. It was like it was the most beautiful recording I'd ever heard, even though the quality was awful. Um, That's how it works. That's what I love about classical music is every performance is different and every right. conductor's take on it, every soloist's take on it is you, you, you can listen to the same piece and it doesn't sound quite the same. It's like a new right. expression of it. And there's, that's just, that's just so awesome. Yeah. We've been listening to some jazz too. I just, I was listening to a great Miles Davis album. I picked up on used CD called Miles Smiles. Like wonderful, wonderful. Herbie Hancock on piano. Um, just from the mid sixties. Like you can't go wrong with that period right. for Miles exactly. Davis and this other guy, Lee Morgan, a trumpet player called the Sidewinder, which was an early sixties on blue note, like just incredible, incredible album. Like, Oh, and the last thing, Jackie Gleason, this is a real switch. 
Jackie Gleason, who supposedly like conducted these easy listening bands and orchestras and he had a slew of albums from the 50s through the 60s and 70s and um he his easy listening music he, he called it mood music right i've been listening to that a lot too and i this is a recommendation for you it's really good music to grade to jackie gleason like, yeah okay. just any of that easy listening or mood music jackie gleason percy faith nelson riddle people like that it's like okay. wallpaper it just surrounds you but it, it it helps me to focus and get through some of my grading i will give it a try and take metal machine music off the playlist <laughs> i love the read <laughs> yeah yeah i will check it out i actually have some jackie gleason on original vinyl um i don't think i've ever listened to it though now i'll have to go check it out because my uh, something my dad left me yeah, I got intrigued by him while I picked up these easy listening CDs on the cheap too. And one of them was an anthology of his stuff. And I have a few of his LPs too, but I was reading and I did a video about this on YouTube, but like he he put out this album in the mid fifties, which was a good seller for him. I think it's called The Lonely Echo. The cover was done by Salvador Dali. Oh, the wow. surreal who he did the cover for this album. Like, Amazing. It's just like I would never put those two in the same set. No. Jackie Gleason and Salvador Dali. No. So I had to get it. And I luckily I found it at the record store on, on vinyl. And I it's one of the few vinyl records I bought last year. Well, amazing. I will check it out for sure. All right. So we, we're trying to keep the podcast a little bit sh shorter. Well, we have many other topics in the offing, so we're going to plan to do at least one of these a month. Is that right? That's the plan. Well, thanks for sharing uh, what you've been reading, listening to. and Yeah, thank you, and Happy uh, New Year. Thanks, Dave.